Welcome first-time listeners and returners to the Sports Deli, where we believe that less is more. Less stands for leadership, equality, empowerment, empathy, education, social injustice, suicide prevention, sports, and solutions. We talk a lot about white privilege. We want to mobilize and pay it forward. The Sports Deli is sponsored by Sport RX. You can give them a call at 888-831-5817 or find them online at sportrx.com. Don't forget to enter the code DELI10 at checkout for your special 10% discount. I'm from Detroit. I got cut three times. Once I played four years of college basketball. I still hold a record where I made five out of six three-pointers in a game. I've coached men's and women's college basketball for 23 years. I have a beautiful daughter. I'm a life coach. And I'm honored to be coaching girls basketball at a low-income, first-generation high school here in San Diego, California. Don't forget, you can always send us an email to thesportsdeli at gmail.com, or you can DM us on Instagram at Mike Hootner or on Twitter, at Michael Hootner. And with that being said, I'm flying solo today as I watch March Madness over my left shoulder. And there's been some great games so far. Uh, And speaking of the NCAA tournament, uh, the reason that I chose today to uh, bring you this special edition of the Sports Daily Podcast is because of what I woke up to this morning in terms of the news that people were speaking out about uh, regarding the men's and women's basketball tournament here in 2021. And I've tried as hard as I can during this pandemic to um, sort of reinvent myself on some level uh, for the greater good. And so hopefully you're getting something out of this podcast today um, and realize that It's everyone's responsibility to have these voices to stand up for all these inequalities so that we can truly be an equal society. And I remember when the NCAA announced that the men's tournament, the men's NCAA tournament was going to be in a bubble in Indianapolis. And I asked Judy Sweet, the former president of the NCAA, who was on our podcast here, gotten to know her a little bit lately. And, you know, we correspond from time to time. You know, I asked her why she thought that the women's tournament wasn't announced at the same time. Because my first reaction was just another example of how the NCAA is marginalizing women in women's sports. And, um, Uh, Her response, if my memory serves me correctly, was that they needed an answer for television. Really? Uh, And I'm not questioning Judy. It's it's not her fault, but like I'm just saying really as in that's the reason why they wouldn't announce the men's and women's tournament sites equally at the same time. Like what kind of message does that send? And so Bobby Kelsey, a friend of mine who used to coach in the WNBA, used to coach at Stanford, used to be the head coach at the University of Wisconsin, uh, who has Get Your Butt in the Gym uh, basketball series, and and she does clinics for kids, and she's the first one I saw post about it. I saw Russia Brown post about it, who works with the uh, Los Angeles Sparks now, uh, and obviously many others since this morning. 
but the unbelievable inequalities that are going on with the NCAA tournament right now between the men's and the women's tournament. And if you um, listen to this and you haven't heard yet, go online and you'll see a lot of the examples that are just another example of the marginalization of women and women's intercollegiate athletics. People claim that it's a financial situation, it's an economic decision. There's Title IX. And Title IX, in part, says that especially where there's federal funds um, and in NCAA championships uh, and all things being equal with two different bubbles going on with the men's and the women's tournament, that they should have equal opportunities to merchandise, which they don't, to food, which they don't, to facilities, which they don't, to COVID testing, which they don't. The basketball courts were different. Uh, the men had like brand new basketball court that that said uh, NCAA tournament. If you if you looked closely, and the women had like uh, a men's line, a women's line, a volleyball court line on one of the courts, and really it leads to a much larger issue. Um, and as the late um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg said that, uh, among other things, other amazing things, other absolutely spot-on things, that women should be in all spaces where decisions are made. And that's the, that's the real problem right now is that there are only a handful of female athletic directors uh, in intercollegiate sports. Uh, there are not women uh, making decisions in the spaces that need to you know, have those decisions being made because this wouldn't have happened if um, there was the type of uh, commitment and thoughtfulness to the women's tournament uh, that there is to the men's tournament. And also, um, you know, in terms of numbers, uh, there's less women coaching women now, uh, especially in basketball. And, you know, obviously it's the same old good old boy network, good old white boy network. And, um, you know, so we, we need to see major uh, overhauls with regards to the separation of men's and women's intercollegiate athletics. Uh, you know, Gino Ariema has, has chimed in. Um, Don Staley has chimed in, which is what I said uh, right from the jump when I heard uh, – about this this morning when when uh, Bobby Kelsey uh, posted something and and I responded, including phone numbers of the people that are in charge, uh, including sponsors that are involved for the 2021 NCAA championships, and um, the NCAA vice president for basketball, Dan Gavitt, apologized Friday in a video. You know Don Staley and Gino Ariema. Both number one seeds in this year's tournament said that the situation is reflective of gender inequality in women's programs, and that's something that they're accustomed to dealing with. There were swag bags, in addition to the other things that I talked about, given to the men's and women's players that were different. As I mentioned, the COVID testing was different. The food options were different. Um, and so it's just 
it's just uh, uh, ridiculous, but at the same time, it's it's a way for us to shed light on uh, another example or several examples of continued marginalization and the inequities in the uh, NCAA with regards to men's and women's sports. Uh, NCAA President Mark Emeritt, who I've been very critical of, uh, Jay Billis has been very critical of, has done some good things, you know, like last year shutting down the NCAA tournament immediately. Um, they handled that pretty well. Um, but Mark Emeritt told The Athletic, USA Today, and The New York Times in an interview on Friday that the difference in weight training facilities shouldn't have happened. He said due to COVID-19 challenges, there was less communication and collaboration between the men's and women's committees, but added that was no excuse. So a pretty strong statement. But again, the problem is he waited 24 hours to be heard from, and he let uh, Lynn and Dan fall on the sword. Statement. He said that issues with food deliveries to women's teams were being remedied and that the differences in testing were linked to the specific testing providers in Indianapolis and Texas, that the NCA had confidence in both. No thank you. More false positives and less accurate testing with the women. Unacceptable, period, end of story. As for the swag bags, Emirates said he thought, excuse me, they were of similar value, although social media photos suggest they were not. <laughs> it's just if it if it wasn't 2021 and it wasn't so absurd it might be funny we have intentionally organized basketball under one umbrella with the goal of consistency and collaboration when we fall short of these expectations that's on me it's just a complete breakdown in leadership and I couldn't agree with Jay Billis more listen to his comments about this unfortunate situation and the leadership of the NCAA president, Mark Emeritt. Men's and women's tournament are all under the same umbrella. And whatever was ordered for the men and should have and was there for the men should have been there for the women. That seems beyond reasonable discussion. Uh, what I found extraordinarily troubling was the response that we saw to when this was pointed out. And uh, this is a question of leadership. Uh, Mark Emmert, the president of the NCAA, was nowhere to be found when this issue was being discussed. He let Lynn Holzman, the vice president uh, of, of women's basketball, step forward and, and take all of the flack on this. And you could you could tell from the emotional response of, of Lynn Holzman how, how devastating this was to her. The only leadership that I saw from upper management, uh, the executive team at the NCAA, was from Dan Gavitt, who stepped forward after Lynn Holzman spoke and said, this is on me. We apologize and we will fix this. And I can tell you that's the first thing that should have happened with Mark Emmert. He should have been out front and should have said, this is unacceptable. It is on me. I'm the president of the organization. I am the responsible leader here. And we apologize profoundly and we will fix this. But that's not what happened. He was nowhere to be found, didn't speak for over 24 hours after this 
uh, before an enterprising and outstanding reporter literally bumped into him in a hallway in an NCAA arena. Uh, and, and he didn't know the details of this. It's, it's a shocking failure in leadership. And, and there you can understand why we have these systemic issues. This is not the first time. Let's just hope it's the last. Uh, Muffet McGraw uh, echoed these sentiments on, I think it was uh, CBS uh, uh, Monday morning, uh, on the first Monday of the NCAA tournament in 2021 here, where um, there's just not enough women making these decisions, there's not enough women coaching women, there's not enough women in administrative positions, and that's that's really a large part of this problem. Uh, as she said, it's like... You know, the women are a JV team compared to the men, from facilities to pay to numbers. Um, and, you know, as we approach the 50th anniversary of Title IX, we really need to reevaluate this and, and separate the men's and women's tournaments uh, from social media, which it's not. Uh, just says the NCAA tournament basically doesn't uh, clearly separate the men's and women's basketball tournaments, which it absolutely should. The women deserve nothing less. The same way I just talked about with coaches and athletic directors and college presidents, um, you know, you're responsible. I apologize to women basketball student-athletes, to the coaches, to the women's basketball committee for dropping the ball, frankly, on the weight room issue in San Antonio. We'll get it fixed as soon as possible. You're damn right. She said improvements with the weight training equipment would be in place as early as Friday. You're damn right. Now that's what I call action. That's what I call the power of social freaking media. <laughs> that is so freaking great. You think that would have happened a year and a half ago? Get the fuck out of here. Just an amazing testament, as I said, that as unfortunate as it was, to see this action happening that quickly is just outstanding. It was great to see the reaction of the ladies once the uh, weight room facilities and workout facilities were uh, adjusted accordingly on Saturday during the first week of the NCAA tournament for the women. And... Uh, we just have to keep the conversation going. And so that's the most important thing about all of this and any other situation that happens that we're going to talk about today is that although we don't wish this um, type of situation happening because of how it marginalizes or reminds us of the gender inequalities or the institutional racism that ex still exists today, uh, it's also... Conversely, an opportunity for us to have thoughtful dialogue and hopefully listen, learn, mobilize, and see some change across the board with the multiple layers of things that are wrong in our society. Most of these things are learned behaviors when it comes to racism and hate. Uh, a lot of it is generational. Um, but uh, hopefully the NCAA takes a look at this and sees how outrageous it is, how bad it looks, uh, how bad it makes uh, women in particular feel, um, 
And the women's basketball game, especially at the collegiate and professional levels, have come so far uh, to, to see something like this happen in 2021 is unfortunate. But thank God for social media. <laughs> thank God for people speaking out in a way that we've never seen people speak out before. Um, most recently, a regarding the LGBTQ plus community, with regards to the Me Too movement, with regards to social injustice, uh, seeing a collective white voice like we've never seen before. And in every instance in my lifetime that I've never seen before recently, um, people speaking out about whatever it is that is uh, some form of injustice and there's more collective voices than I remember ever seeing in my lifetime. There's been Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. There's been Malcolm X. There's been uh, Martin Luther King. There's been Arthur Ashe. There, there's been Jackie Robinson. There's been Rosa Parks. You know, there, there's been a lot of um, people um, that have spoken out individually, but mostly it's come from the black and brown communities. And to see so many collective white voices uh, is just so encouraging. And that's what needs to continue because most of this country is still run by wealthy white men. And it's everyone's responsibility to listen and learn and continue the conversation because, look, the reality is that we are a deeper, richer, uh, more profitable, uh, greater society with more inclusion. We're not better off by having segregation and, and, and division. Uh, we want more collective voices because we can have greater thoughtfulness and more empathy uh, and, and more nurturing uh, and, and just have such greater expansion of, of the evolution of people individually and, and collectively across so many layers. Uh, we should be voices for people that don't know how to speak uh, yet. Everyone has a voice. Um, you know, that's what being American is all about. You know, we, fl we, we, we finish the Pledge of Allegiance with liberty and justice for all. You know, and the Declaration of Independence says that all men and women are created equal with certain unalienable rights, you know, th that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Um, but it's important that we learn from these situations and that's really when people start talking. You know, we hope that there's not another death and the reality is that it's probably going to happen. Um, and not everything is as black and white, no pun intended, as it may appear to be. There's a lot more, uh, complexity to a lot of these situations, that we're talking about, whether it's the economics of this country and the inequalities uh, within that framework, uh, the educational system, which should be overhauled in my opinion, uh, the disproportionate number of the black and brown community in prisons, and a lot of that has to do with uh, mandatory minimums and three strikes and you're out, and people being in jail for mental illness. I just read Just Mercy, uh, a phenomenal book, an upsetting book, a thought-provoking book, uh, a book that made me cry, a book that made me mad um, that this has been going on for so long. People that are in jail that have no business being in jail. Uh, programs that are not 
in existence for people uh, that were arrested because of their children, because they have mental illness, uh, for nonviolent offenses. People are in jail for 20 years for marijuana convictions. Like what? And a disproportionate number are in jail because they're black. And so recently in the past uh, couple weeks, uh, we've had other incidences that um, have happened, whether it's uh, in the NBA, whether it's the atrocities that have happened in Atlanta by the domestic terrorist, um, whether it's before when we talked about on this show, the soccer players kneeling and the fans booing them, uh, Bluefield State President David Olive who is so tone deaf, but not surprisingly. Suspending men's basketball players for kneeling in protest of social injustice and his logic is because they are a private institution. Sir, I hope you along with Kelly Leffler and Tom Brady and Brett Favre and Jerry Jones and other white leaders who are uneducated, ignorant, or in denial. Educate yourself for the sake of our country. And, you know, we've seen this since the beginning of time, discrimination. Uh, in 2001, we saw it with Islamophobia. And again, the, the best part of this is we're, we're talking and we're talking collectively. And the other great thing that's happening right now is social media. And this isn't uh, breaking news. You know, this, this isn't, uh, you know, something that's a surprise to anybody. But, but it is a fact that people uh, or groups or leaders or owners or GMs, uh, besides lawyers, are afraid of social media. And so that's where we need to use social media in addition to in other ways, but to uh, bring awareness and education um, to people that just don't really understand the, the layers and the levels of systemic racism and, and racism not just to the black and brown community, but to the Latino and Latina communities, to the Asian communities, the differences between um, males and females uh, on so many levels. You know, we lost uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg recently, and she talked about all the time uh, about so many things as far as uh, women's rights and women being uh, in all spaces where decisions are made. Like, to want anything less than that is just, uh, I just don't understand it. Like, most of us have had moms, and we all know the strength of our moms and, and, and the, um, the thoughtfulness and the, the depth and why you wouldn't want that in all spaces is just, is just beyond me. And it's because of the generational issues that, that um, have kept us 
in an antiquated way of thinking. And all we can hope for is that we chip away at the armor that has uh, not allowed our society to evolve at a, at a greater pace. And so it's not about conformity. It's not about assimilating or acculturating into the mainstream of society. It's about listening and learning and hearing what people that have been through what they've been through so that you can have a greater sense of understanding so that we can be more inclusive. Matt Rowan, a high school basketball announcer in Oklahoma, said they're kneeling when high school players were kneeling recently in 2021 during a basketball game in protest of social injustice. Effing N-word plural. I hope Norman gets their ass kicked. F them. I hope they lose. Come on, Midwest City. They're going to kneel like that? Oh, hell no. And then he blames it on his blood sugar being spiked and being disoriented and doubled down by insinuating that he couldn't possibly be a racist because he's Christian and has a family with two kids. So again, I hope this guy um, also learns from his mistakes, just like I hope that every single white racist, every white privileged person in the world, it's not realistic, but that's my hope, that we take every situation, instead of complaining and bashing and... Um, acting like we don't make mistakes ourselves, that we listen to the other side. Um, we realize that it would be just as hard for us to go completely to the other side. And sometimes it's difficult for people to change. You know, as simple as we make it sound sometimes, it's not easy for people. Um, So all these examples that I've given today uh, are not surprising. But we just want to have the president of Bluefield State, David Olive, be less tone deaf, say that he made a mistake, hear him say, as we love to hear in movies, character development. My uh, advisor in college, Shirley Paroka, used to say. And we want to see... Uh, personal evolution and development in our real everyday lives from people that we're surrounded with by our leaders. And if they make a mistake, they come correct and do everything they can to make the necessary changes to undo any injustices that have been done. Asians discriminated against uh, has been going on for a long time in different ways. And most recently, after what happened in Atlanta uh, by a domestic terrorist, killing a number of people in the Asian community and others, uh, to NBA players who made anti-Semitic remarks uh, as recently as 2021, uh, Miami center uh, Myers Leonard, who was just recently traded uh, because they didn't want him uh, in the organization anymore. Originally was suspended from uh, the team's facilities and fined $50,000. I think he was suspended for a week. Anyways, 
what he did was, if you if you don't know, um, he called another player an effing coward. He said, don't effing snipe me, which is fine, I guess, if you're talking trash to some people and you're playing a game. There's nothing really that bad about that, you know, whatever. But then he goes on to say, you effing kike B. Now, I honestly don't know if it, it's bitch or bastard, but anyways, the other part is, is the bad part. So, um, you know, and he was playing a video game on t uh, on Twitch, and, you know, whether it's him or just Deshaun Jackson making anti-Semitic comments last year, quoting Hitler when Hitler didn't even say it, just un uneducated. Again, another opportunity to have thoughtful dialogue and discussions. Um talk about it on social media, right? And people just take things and run with them and they don't always know where the source is or if the source is even real. So Julian Edelman, who was a receiver for the New England Patriots, uh, did something that we should all learn from twice now. He posted on social media that he hoped to arrange an educational exchange program to take Deshaun Jackson to the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum in Washington, D.C. And then Jackson would take him to the National Museum of African American History and Culture, also in Washington. So this is an example of how we turn something that was a negative into a positive. We create a win-win situation, which is something that I talk about with my daughter all the time. Not bringing anything into a conversation that's irrelevant, even though that's hard sometimes for all of us, including me. And to create win-win. Because you can. You can feel acknowledged. You can hear somebody else, even if you agree to disagree, and you've both found some common ground and both felt heard. And Edelman again wrote an open letter. Um to uh, Myers Leonard and 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 we sh we should all really stop and give pause for a second uh, for what he did and and think about how he could have responded and how he actually did respond. Uh, he displayed so much humility in both instances and compassion. And again, another uh, attempt to invite Myers Leonard to listen and learn and keep the conversation going. And he said in part that uh, he's often down in Miami, which is where he was. He's not there anymore. Um, but that's not the point. Uh, he'd love to have him over for Shabbat dinner. Uh, and so for those of you that don't know much about the Jewish community, I'm Jewish. Uh, I'm I'm not uh, practicing in in a lot of the traditions that that I did when I was younger. I had my bar mitzvah, um, but you know I know my family history uh, with regards to the Holocaust, and um, you know so Shabbat would be an interesting time to you know exchange ideas and talk about different cultures and where we are in society and. What has worked for certain cultures, and you know what we could do to collaborate and come together to help advance 
other cultures and and our society as a whole. You know, and on the Sabbath, uh, you're not allowed to work from sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday. So a 24-hour period. And so that means you can't drive a car, you can't turn the oven on, you can't turn the television on. Uh, you can have sex. You can you can procreate. Uh, but you can't work. You can't drive a car. Did I say that? You can't drive a car. Uh, anything that's a deemed word. You can't spend money. Um, so it would be an interesting time to 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 talk and walk and and uh, learn about each other's um, histories and and uh, gain a greater understanding of each other. And that's really what it's about: starting things at home and branching out from there. Um, you know, I hear a lot about grievance politics, and there's double standards, and it's it's not, it's not a thing out there, people. And uh, on this show, we're not going to get distracted by that type of thing. Um, you know, there's not reverse discrimination. You know, uh, so let's let's stick to what we're trying to do here, which is um, talk about uh, mental illness and and suicide, or talk about leadership or equality or inequalities that exist in society, social injustice and institutional racism, white privilege, um, you know, making sure we're not marginalizing any uh, aspect of our communities anywhere in the world, not just here in the United States. Um, and what we obviously want to do is is bridge the economic and, and the educational and the health and the housing and the prison and the police gaps in this country um, change the way that we deal with the mentally ill the drug addicts the nonviolent offenders uh, especially those that are incarcerated for nonviolent offenses um, and again this includes Asian and Asian Americans uh, the Latino and Latina community, the black and brown communities, uh, the anti-Semitism that we still feel in the Jewish community. And for those of you that haven't heard of Clubhouse, I just wanted to make mention of, of this new app that's basically an audio collaborative room that you can go into on a variety of subjects. And I've gone into these rooms, and it's invite only right now. So there's been... 3,000 people when Elon Musk has been in one of the rooms or Mark Zuckerberg or Paris Hilton or MC Hammer. Uh, it's, it's, it's a phenomenal app. Uh, you can raise your hand. They can call you up to the stage and then you can ask a question and then they put you back into the audience. And it's all audio and it's, it's not recorded. And it's just organic. Like you're sitting at the kitchen table having dinner, you know, uh, Shabbat dinner with your family. And it's been very interesting to hear uh, the collaborative uh, opinions, the different opinions, the respect. There's been some problems on, on, on the app with uh, people being bullied and just things you see in normal everyday life in, in society. But it's, it's, it's an amazing app. If you have an opportunity to download it and be a part of it, uh, you, can, you can attach your social media to it. You can tell everybody what you're about in your profile. Uh, it's so interesting. I've listened to conversations about NFTs and um, uh, uh, Bitcoin and 
things about the black and brown community, black fatherhood, uh, uh, sports rooms, uh, rooms about uh, NILs, national uh, intent letters or NLIs, uh, with regards to high school athletes, uh, just so many wide-ranging topics. And you can just jump in for five minutes, hear what they're talking about, maybe send somebody a message that you see is in the room or one of the moderators and then get out and come back in a few hours later and or get reminders about it. And it's just, it's just an, I find it to be a, a, a phenomenal uh, opportunity to meet people that you will, will never meet in everyday life. Like I have reached out to some people and they're coming on our show, whether it's Jelani McCoy, uh, Ray Young, former UCLA players, Chris Johnson, um, you know, Rod Smith has been on there, former Super Bowl champion. Uh, I mentioned some people already from Hammer to, I mean, everyone's using it. Uh, and the, th- the great thing is that everyone's on it from wherever you are in the world. It's so cool. Uh, so anyways, if you have a chance to go on there or get an invite from somebody, um, I have about six invites right now. I haven't really invited anyone recently. Send me an email to uh, thesportsdeli at gmail.com and I'm happy to send you an invite if I have one. Uh, but some really, really uh, interesting, thoughtful conversa- conversations, especially in the spaces of race and sports and um, social injustice. And there's been a, a lot of rooms that have discussed uh, people that are uh, in the black and brown community that are against Obama, that are against uh, Biden. The other thing that I want to share with you is Clubhouse. Um, I don't know if you want to call it fate or um, when you're doing something that your inner voice is telling you to do and you're following your compass, uh, that you'll be um, introduced into new spaces when you least expect them to come into your path. And um, just as I was talking about the power and the collaboration uh, and the impact that Clubhouse has had on me, I'm on my way to the airport to pick up my best friend uh, who's an assistant basketball coach at Kansas State University. And... I see this room because I don't really listen to the radio in the car. I, I watch some IG lives and listen to my audio books. And um, I see a room and it wasn't right at the top. And a lot of times these big rooms uh, in Clubhouse are at the top. And it says George Floyd's brother. And... Um, I said, is that really George Floyd's brother? Like, seriously? I just thought maybe somebody was using his name or something like that. Didn't really know because there was only about 250 people in the room at the time. I was like, that's weird because when Elon Musk is in the room, like I said, it's a lot of people or Mark Zuckerberg or MC Hammer or, you know, some of these other people uh, that have been using Clubhouse. And I started listening. And sure enough... Philanese uh, Floyd <laughs> is in this room uh, and his wife. 
Um, and I went up on stage right away. They, they pulled me up on stage. They had been talking for quite some time, about an hour and a half and maybe an hour and 20 minutes. And I caught the last 40 minutes and I just wanted to share a story with them. And I wasn't trying to plug the podcast or anything like that, but, um, I just shared with them, um, that when I was out doing a training session, uh, which I have a basketball hoop because I'm a professional basketball skills trainer, and I had a client at my house during the pandemic, and my daughter was drawing with chalk uh, on the sidewalk. And um, uh, at one point, she wrote in huge letters, Black Lives Matter. And then uh, at another point in time during one of my training sessions, she drew um, what I thought was George Floyd. Now, it could have been anybody, but, you know, we have white privilege. Um, my daughter does. She doesn't really understand it yet, but, you know, it's just something that's inevitable because of who she is and the spaces that she's going in as a white child in a middle-class neighborhood here in San Diego, and my family's middle class. I grew up middle class, white, Jewish, and uh, I look on the sidewalk, and she, like I said, drew a person that looked like George Floyd, and again wrote in uh, small letters next to this person, Black Lives Matter. And I shared this story with Philanese and his wife and the other people, which the room grew uh, to a much greater number uh, by the end. And uh, I was choking up a little bit when I was sharing the story. And uh, I just said that, you know, we've been trying to, from a white Jewish perspective, talk about white privilege and uh, share with people and educate with people, people's stories about racial inequality and inequality and gender inequality and systemic racism. And um, it was just a really powerful sort of surreal experience to like, where would you be able to talk to George Floyd's family, except in a, in an app like Clubhouse? I just, and, and, and it was right after I talked about the first things that I shared with all of you in this podcast and only a couple hours later uh, was I sharing space with all these people. Much more important than me, much more influential than me, uh, much bigger connectors than I am. But I had the opportunity to come up on stage and share my story about my daughter and what we're trying to do with this podcast, which originally was about sports and has turned into something um, that's much more powerful and much bigger than even me and Dr. J and Coach K, uh, and hopefully in some small way helping to move the needle and educate people and get them to see that this is a real serious issue that's not going to change overnight, but that we need a collective voice, whether we're talking about the black and brown community, the Latino and Latina community, the Asian community, and... Um, I was just very grateful and and humble, humbled and honored to 
to share space with uh, Philanese and and his wife, who have a an organization that fights uh, racism. And uh, they did say that they have not seen any money for people using, for for lack of a better word or phrase, uh, George Floyd's likeness or hashtags. And I think that's just terrible. Um, And we need to do whatever we can to support their family. So anyways, I just wanted to share that story with you. I thought it was powerful. I thought it was interesting. and, um, uh, And look, the reality is, that a lot of the economic and, and, and policies that we're talking about in terms of systemic racism uh, are both Republican and Democratic uh, parties' faults. So, but again, it just, it's just another opportunity to collaborate and mobilize and educate and listen and learn and, and uh, you know, just continue to, to bridge this gap and, and hopefully change the narrative. And you're never going to convince everybody, but... Um, we should all be allies for one another. We should be voices for one another. We should embrace collaboration uh, because that's, again, what America is all about. Um, and it doesn't have to be someone who's a professional athlete, even though that helps. You know, I would love for Tom Brady, as I've said many times on this show, even though he doesn't have to, he's not required to. Jerry Jones, all, a lot of these white people, you know, Mark Cuban has spoken out so much about social injustice. Steve Kerr has spoken out so much about social injustice. Kyle Korver, J.J. Redick uh, in the NBA, uh, Greg Popovich. There has been a lot of white people, uh, and there needs to be more because a lot of the white people listen to white people. A lot of the black and brown community listen to the black and brown community. A lot of the Asian community listens to the the Asian community, and and Latino and Latina community, same thing. So you need to have this collective voice where... People are on the same page, even if it comes from, you know, someone that looks like you. Now, having said that, it's important that you have conversations and listen and learn from people that do not look like you and be uncomfortable in those spaces. So we are not afraid to talk about these things on this show. And we welcome any feedback that you have, um, any disagreements that maybe you have, as long as they're presented thoughtfully. And I guess uh, ultimately it begs the question, why do we want to live in a world of division and hate when we could just as easily make the choice to live in a world of inclusion and love? Thanks for joining us today in this special edition of the Sports Deli. I am Hootie Hoot. Remember, your voice matters when fighting systemic racism. So no matter what the situation is that we're dealing with, whether it's ignorant soccer fans whether it's an ignorant announcer, whether it's an ignorant president, whether it's ignorant people when it comes to people of the Middle East, uh, when talking about Islam and Islamophobia uh, or the Asian community, uh, blaming them for this pandemic, uh, to NBA players uh, making mistakes, um, football players making mistakes, the NCAA making mistakes, um, and and anything else that's happened uh, in our history that allows us to come together and talk about it and then put a plan of action together in whatever area we're talking about, economically, educationally, mainly are the two issues in this country. 
that need to be changed so that we can create generational wealth for the African-American community, the black and brown community, the Latino and Latina communities in particular, so that we can have equal opportunities in this country once and for all. For Dr. J and Coach K, I am Hootie Hoot. Please mask up and remember Black Lives Matter. Peace.